are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Medical school, nursing school, how about therapeutic clown school? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is the Queen of Jest. Patty Wooten is a registered nurse, past president of the American Association for Therapeutic Humor, author of The Hospital Clown, a closer look, international speaker on the therapeutic benefits of humor, and she is a clown. Patty Wooten, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. Glad to be here. How long has the art of clowning existed? Oh, golly. Since ancient times, we, we've documented that the Egyptian courts had clowns. We know that the ancient medieval villages had the village fool. Through the Middle Ages, there were court jesters that had the positions of clowning and and creating that sense of entertainment. So clownings have been around a long time. Throughout history, have most cultures had clowns? Yes. They may not have called it clowning. It may have been more of of, like I said, that the fool archetype. But yes, as we go through most cultures, yes, we find that. Where did you go to clown school? Well, my first clown school was at San Diego State University, and it was an extension course taught by Richard Wise, who was a Ringling Brother clown graduate and performed with the circus for years. I then went off to graduate school, clown graduate school, and that was in Wisconsin, La Crosse, Wisconsin, with Richard Snowberg, he started Clown Camp about 25 years ago, and this is a month-long clown intensive, and I've gone there a couple of different times. Perhaps my finishing school was at the San Francisco Clown School, taught by, at that time, Arena Isaacson. Who were some of your classmates? Do you want their clown names? Or <laughs> I mean, there was Trash Can, and there was Bubbles, and there was Scruffy, and... <laughs> Were they doctors, nurses, other medical professionals? It was a wonderful mix. I remember uh, my first clown school, there was a dental hygienist. We were going around the table, and uh, Richard said to, to them, okay, tell us why you went into clown school. And she says, well, I've been a hygienist for 20 years, and I just figured there's got to be something more interesting than looking in people's mouths. But I've been to clown schools with physicians, with dentists. I went with a patient once who had a heart, a heart transplant, and he had gone to clown school. Last summer, I was at the clown camp, and one of the clowns was 101 years old. Oh, my. Amazing. Now, obviously, she wasn't doing the juggling and the stilt walking, but she would get up and put on her makeup and come down to class every day, and she was just a delight. What are the reasons that the clowns gave for becoming clowns? Well, it's interesting that often People choose clowning because they've experienced a lot of either tragedy or challenge in their life and they realize that they they need that release or that they need to hide behind the mask of the clown and act as if life was funny and in that way relearn how to laugh again. And that was certainly true for me. One of the reasons I went to clown school was I had been through some tough times in my life, and I had forgotten how to laugh and play. I went to clown school and rediscovered and got permission to to be playful and silly and to find what joy that would bring others, and then later learned 
that joy and laughter actually had a very profound healing potential for people. What type of clown are you? I would what would be what would be called a character clown. Now, there's different kinds of clowns. The white face clown we all think of as that Perrault clown, the white face with the fluffy, ruffly collar. Then there's the Auguste clown, which is more the Lou Jacobs, big nose, you know, little hat, big shoes, short jacket, kind of grotesque looking. The third type of clown, which would be Emmett Kelly, and that's the tramp clown, which was really born during the Depression era. And when Emmett Kelly would walk around in his after-five shadow and the scruffy clothes sweeping the spotlight around this, the circus, what he embodied for people was the tramp that they would see on the streets during the Depression and in the railroad yards. But he had always that hope that things would get better. So the tramp clown was born in the, in the 1930s. And then there came what was the character clown. And this is a clown that would represent a particular role, the cowboy clown or the fireman clown or the keystone cop clown. And for me, my nurse clowns, both Nancy Nurse and Nurse Kindheart, would be character clowns. What's the difference between a clown and a therapeutic clown? Quite a bit, actually. Quite often when people think about clowns making rounds in hospitals, they get very frightened because they're thinking of that traditional circus clown or birthday party clown who is loud, boisterous, and makes a lot of noise and uh, clumsy and that sort of thing. It's frightening to think about that in the hospital. But actually, therapeutic clowns are specially trained clowns to work within the hospital environment with great sensitivity. So they're specially trained in... First of all, infection control, very important. Also, the importance of privacy with the HIPAA regulations. We need to make sure everybody knows about privacy protection. But the greatest skill and that sets them apart from other clowns is their ability to be sensitive and to read an audience. So they're reading the patient's nonverbal language. They always get permission from the patient to enter the room. If it happens to be a child and the child is shaking their head no or closing their body language, even though the parents are saying, come in, come in, it's good, it's good, come in, the clown always respects the patient's vote on the situation. Are you a therapeutic clown? I don't do it as much as I used to, but yes, I am a therapeutic clown, and my nursing education and experience certainly has gifted me with incredible skills in this area because the nurses are always uh, sensitive to the environment and mood and communication. So yes, I would be a therapeutic clown. I did birthday parties, and I graduated from clown school in the circus, and we did some performing, but I'm more of a therapeutic clown now. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Patty Wooten, discussing what it's like to be a therapeutic clown. Patty, tell us about your book, The Hospital Clown, A Closer Look. Thanks for asking, Susan, because it's really one-of-a-kind book, although we are seeing more being written on therapeutic clowning now. My book was written, co-authored with Shobi Doby, that's her clown name, and Shobana Shvebki is her real name, and she is the editor, creator and editor for the Hospital Clown newsletter which is a quarterly newsletter that has come out for the last about 12 years or so. So Shobi and I got together and said, you know, hospitals don't understand what a clown can do for the environment, for the patients, for the staff, for the visitors and families. And I said, you know, and that's true, Shobi, and clowns don't know 
how to behave in hospitals, how to uh, take caution with infection protocol, how to communicate with serious professional caregivers, how to be appropriately funny at the bedside. So we put our heads together and said, okay, I'll help the clowns understand about hospitals. You help the hospitals understand about clowns. So we wrote this book about uh, five, six years ago, and it's actually become the training manual for therapeutic clown program. What feedback have you received from doctors? Well, it depends on the doctor. It depends on his experience with therapeutic clowns or where he is in the experience. I think a lot of doctors, as nurses, are protective of their patients, of the healing milieu, and so they might be a little reluctant to think that a clown has a place in the hospital or any serious healthcare situation. But if they've had the opportunity to experience the clowns in action, and these would be the specially trained clowns, not just uh, good meaning but not trained clowns, if they've had that chance to see the patients respond, to hear from the families and visitors, to see how the clowns can change the stress level in a nursing station unit. I think they would be more open and eager to have the clowns available. There are some hospitals where the clowns have been there long enough and the physicians have seen the positive effects that they actually write orders on the chart, you know, have the therapeutic clown program make a visit. It's all over the board in terms of what physicians think, but I think a lot of it is based on whether or not they've had that opportunity to see the clowns in action. How do you judge quality? Is there an association? Are there tests or certification? Well, there certainly are organizations of clowns. There's the World Clown Association. There's Clowns of America International. There are the clown schools like Clown Camp. There is a caring clown organization. As of the present time, there is not a formalized certification process that will measure competencies and certify a clown as being competent for therapeutic clowning. However, I have started to work on this along with a couple of other clowns, Debbie Nupp, who runs the Caring Clown Program at Rochester General Hospital in Rochester, New York, and Judy Barker, who is down in Oklahoma and has been a therapeutic clown down there. So we're starting to form an academy for therapeutic clown certification. We hope to have roll this out within the year. And how could listeners learn more about that? Well, I would suggest staying in tune with my website because I'll certainly will announce it on that website and it's fairly easy to remember www.jest, which is J-E-S-T, health.com, jesthealth.com. I would announce it there under the clown area and they could find out more about uh, the study and the qualification. How can someone be funnier without going to clown school? Well, I think we all have our own comfort zone, and some of us, our comfort zone is way out there, and we don't mind appearing the fool and being looked at ridiculous or have people roll their eyes and go, well, that is just silly. It certainly is. So some of us are very comfortable with that. Others are hesitant because they feel that this might be a judgment that would reduce their capabilities in other roles, or that, that it's not a respectable skill or a valuable skill. So I think we need to figure out where we are on that in terms of our comfort level. The other thing is some of us are introverts and some are extroverts. Now, the extroverts are not going to have trouble putting on a silly clown nose or a duck bill or a funny hat or 
an arrow through the head or groucho glasses and just being silly and extroverted and, you know, kind of in-your-face sort of humor. But the introverts, that would be very difficult, huge stretch. So what I would suggest for the introverts is to begin to collect cartoons, silly, funny cartoons, and I like the single-frame cartoons. So be a real cut-up. Cut it out of the newspaper and put it in an envelope, and then someday when you really need a laugh for yourself or to share with others, you've got your collection going. Collect funny cards, another uh, wonderful way. Some of the photos on these funny cards get a laugh right away. And so you can share your humor with somebody else appearing to be funny, but actually it's somebody else who has created that. So whether you are funny yourself by uh, your own visual humor with props and gags, or whether you are sharing the other humor created by the professionals with people who need a good laugh, either way you can become a conduit for funniness. Patty Wooten, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Susan. Thank you. I'm Susan Dole, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.